It says here, beginning in verse 28, And when they drew nigh unto the village, whether they went, and he made as though he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the Scriptures? The Lord is the one that opens this book. I pray that as we begin our study in this book of Revelation, the Lord will be pleased to open this book. Just as we were studying this morning, about Lydia, not only does he open the book, but he, he's the one that opens our heart, that we might give attendance to the preaching of the gospel. The word of God, for, and we only know this by God's grace and mercy, the Lord said to those Pharisees, he said to them, you do not have God's word abiding in you, and you've neither heard his voice or seen his shape. And then he went on to say, the, the scriptures are they which testify of me. And you won't come to me that you might have life. And in this Luke, I encourage you to read the whole chapter, Luke 24. It says there, uh, the Son of God, he began um, in uh, Moses. It says there in verse 27. And in beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I can't comfort you. I can't open this book for you. But the Lord, if he's pleased this morning, he'll take the gospel of our salvation, the word of truth, and he'll comfort us. And he'll open this book afresh to us that we might see our Lord and God high and lifted up. Now, if you would open your Bibles with me to the book of Revelation. Now, notice I didn't say Revelations, I didn't say that plural, it's singular. The book of Revelation. Now in Revelation chapter 1, verse 2, it says there how that it was John who bare record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Beloved, this book of Revelation is the testimony of Jesus Christ our Lord. And that declaration of this book being the testimony of Jesus our Lord is mentioned four times in the book of Revelation. Read in verse 9 of chapter 1. It says there, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And, beloved, remember, the testimony of Jesus Christ is the gospel of God concerning His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we read that declaration again in, in Revelation chapter 12. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 17, it says there, And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God. And notice, that have the testimony of Jesus Christ. You see that? 
Beloved, you who believe on the Son of God, you hear, you receive the testimony of Jesus Christ. What a, what a blessing. What a miracle of God's grace to have His testimony. In Revelation 19 and verse 10, we read of when John tried to worship the Lord's servant. And John says there, And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus, the Christ of God. And it is they and they alone that worship God. For the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. The Lord Jesus Christ, he's the prophet of God that came declaring that salvation is in, by, and through him alone. Through the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So what exactly is this book of Revelation all about? Now, to be sure, a lot of people have a lot of strange ideas of what this book is about. And that because they're unlearned and unstable. And so being untaught of the Lord, they rest, that is, they twist the verses contained in the book of Revelation as they do also the other scriptures, and that unto their own destruction. So then what is the book of Revelation all about? Well, my friend, I'm going to tell you plainly what this book of Revelation is all about. My friend, it's all about the Lamb of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ is set forth 28 times in the book of Revelation in his sacrificial character as the Lamb of God. We read in Revelation chapter 5, in verse 5, it says there, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, John, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals and to loose the seven seals thereof. Perfectly sealed. Perfectly sealed. Only God can open this book to you, beloved. Verse 6, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns. And that's symbolic of all power. And having seven eyes. And, and that's symbolic of knowing all things, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the world. Now, another word that's mentioned often in the book of Revelation is not, not only the lamb, not, not only the lamb of God, but so too it speaks about the throne. The very throne of God. In fact, 40 times in the book of Revelation, it talks about the throne. And we know the Lord Jesus Christ is sitting on the throne of glory at this very moment. He's sitting on the throne of God and glory. And beloved, he's there ever living, interceding for us as our advocate, as our righteous advocate, as our blessed mediator. So once again, allow me to repeat the question. What is the book of Revelation all about? We read the answer to that question in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. How that it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so to them that have ears to hear, Father, let them hear your Son. And to them that have eyes to see, Father, let them see your Son. Father, let them see how that this blessed book is about the revelation of Jesus Christ, of who he is, of what he's done, and where he is now. And we can safely say not only is the book of Revelation all about him, but so too the entire Bible. 
from Genesis to Revelation, it's, it's all about him. Indeed, from the beginning of Genesis, right there in the beginning in Genesis to Revelation at the end, where he says, surely I come quickly, and we say with John to our Lord, amen, even so, come Lord Jesus. You see, he's the Alpha and he's the Omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. Indeed, the end of, of all Scripture. and Indeed, all Scripture is about the Lord Jesus Christ. And beloved, he's the one who does the revealing and he's the very one who's revealed. You see, my friend, it takes God to reveal God to our heart. And he's hid these things from the wise and prudent and he's revealed them unto his babes, his children. Now, the Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter 1, Beginning in verse 11, I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And Paul went on to write of how he was once a lost, zealous Jew who persecuted and wasted the church of God. And he says in verse 15 of Galatians 1, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the nations. You see, salvation is a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ to your heart. And my friend, if he's in your head in sincerity, I'll tell you why, he, why that's so. It's because Christ Jesus, the hope of glory, has already been revealed to your heart. You see, salvation is an invasion of God in your heart. And so as God is sovereign in creation and providence, so too he's sovereign in salvation. And he must have all the preeminence. So throughout the written word of God, Holy Scripture sets forth the Lord Jesus Christ must have all glory, all dominion, all power, and all the preeminence forever and ever. Now hold your place in Revelation and, and turn with me to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, and I'll begin reading there in verse 12. Beloved, give thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath delivered us, or rather, and, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Verse 13, again, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him, by Christ Jesus the Lord, by Jesus Christ our Lord and God, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things the Lord Jesus Christ might have the preeminence. And verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. So what exactly does the word preeminence mean? Simply this. Beloved, he must have all the honor and all the glory. That is, he must have first place in all things. And so he must have the preeminence because he's the Lord of glory. 
And this blessed truth is set forth in all the Word of God, but especially so in the last book of, of the Bible, which is rightly referred to as the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's what we read here in, in the very first portion here of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. We read there, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. You see, beloved, we're no more our own keeper. We're, we're no more our own. For we've been made his servants, having been bought with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by that sacrifice and the body of his flesh through death, he presents you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. And notice Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. We read there, Jesus Christ, that he is the faithful witness and he's the first begotten of the dead. Beloved, he was delivered for our, offense, our, our offenses and raised again for our justification. And he's the prince of the kings of the earth. Indeed, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. You see that? Our salvation is all owing to his doing. It's all by his purpose that he saves sinners to the uttermost. The Lord Jesus Christ is the word made flesh. And the written word is all about God's dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in God's word, he's not pictured as a weak, pitiful God and Savior who wants to but can't. That's not the Lord Jesus Christ of Scripture. Rather, the Lord Jesus Christ is the mighty, sovereign God over heaven and earth. Notice in chapter 1, verse 8, what the Lord of glory, God's well-pleasing Son, declares. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was, and which is to come. And notice now the conclusion of verse 8. Beloved, our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, is the Almighty, the true and living God who is mighty to save. Now, is there anyone mightier than the Almighty? Our God declares, Beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and I have saved and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore, ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Our Lord and God declares beside me there is no Savior. And the Lord Jesus Christ, the Almighty, he's pictured in Revelation as conquering all enemies. We read in, in chapter 6, verse 2. It says there in, in Revelation chapter 6, verse 2. And I saw him, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on that white horse had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And beloved, he conquered all his enemies, uh, all of our enemies, beloved. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is the absolute victor over all things. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, Beloved, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And that, beloved, because he wins every battle as our substitute, as our representative, surety, and mediator. In Christ Jesus, we are, as believers, the victors. My friend, don't you be, want to be on the, on the winning team? 
you don't want to be on the losing team. I mean, everybody wants to be on the winning team, do they not? Well, in the Lord Jesus Christ, our victory is so sure that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own precious blood. You see, beloved, he's the captain of our salvation. And remember, he's never lost one battle. He's the conqueror who never fails to conquer. And made one with him, we're victorious in him. More than conquerors through him who loved us. You see, the Father has given us the victory through his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And in the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul puts it this way. Writing about the Lord's victory, he says there, and this is in, in Colossians chapter 2. He says there in verse 14, how that he's blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. You see that? He's triumphing over them in the sacrifice of himself and putting away our sins. You see, he triumphed over our enemies in himself. And so we see how that he's never lost a single battle. How that truly our warfare is accomplished, beloved. Satan is defeated, sin was put away, and death. And the Lord declares in Revelation chapter 1, in verse 18, he says, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of hell and of death. And so, my friend, know this. The singular theme and message of the entire Bible, both the Old Testament and the New, is the blessed person and finished saving work and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that in creation, that in providence, and especially so in salvation and the redeeming salvation of his people. So in all of Holy Scripture, it's the purpose and command of the Father that his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, must have all the honor and all the glory. We read in Revelation chapter 5, in verse 11, it says there, in the latter part, it says, the number of them in glory was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying, verse 12, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Son of God. The Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and God, our all-glorious Savior, that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And we read those two blessed words again in that portion. How that the the Lamb, that's that word we reread some uh, 28 times. And then this uh, word throne some 40 times. How that the Lamb is on the throne victorious over all things. You see, the Bible, God's only holy book, is all about His Son, Christ Jesus, our Lord. For all the promises and blessings of God given to sinful men and women are in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And apart from Christ, God promises 
hold nothing but wrath. For every supposed blessing will prove only to be a curse apart from God's Son. You see, my friend, all the love, mercy, and grace of God is in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and in no other. That's why I just can't say, you know, just just thoughtlessly to anybody, God bless you. I, I, I can't just simply say that. I must say, if God be pleased to bless you, God bless you in Christ. Uh, to put it in a simple picture way that a child could understand, God bless you in the ark, in the ark of God's salvation. There's no, there's no blessing outside of the ark. There's only blessing inside the ark, and the ark of God's salvation is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so make sure you don't miss this, how that all revelation and knowledge of the triune God is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ is not only the central message of the Holy Scriptures, he himself is the message to understand. For to have him is to have the key that opens the word of God and reveal its treasures unto us. And that which is true of the whole volume of the inspiration of Scripture is especially true in the last book we call the book of Revelation. Again, my question, what is the book of Revelation all about? Beloved, it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ, his blessed person and his finished saving work of salvation for his people. And 28 times in this book, we see the Lord Jesus Christ in his sacrificial character as the lamb and the lamb's salvation is to be received by faith. You see, faith, that is the faith of God's elect, looks to the true Christ of God. That is, the given faith of God's elect looks unto the true Christ of God that's revealed in Holy Scripture. And any other Christ is a false Christ that has nothing for a guilty sinner. And a false Christ that's not according to the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ cannot save us from our sins. And so be sure you're trusting the Christ of the Bible, my friend, not the so-called Christ that says that he wants to and can't, or the false Christ that's tried to and failed. See, to trust a false Christ is to have a false salvation. To trust a false Christ is to have a refuge of lies that God says he'll sweep away. And so make sure you're trusting the Christ of God, trusting in the testimony of Jesus Christ that's revealed in the book of God. My friend, this is so vitally important that you trust the Christ of God that cannot fail. And both John and Paul warn us about false prophets that preach another gospel, another spirit, and another Jesus. In Galatians chapter 1, Paul writes there, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 9, he says, As we said before, so I say again, now, now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. He says in verse 8, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have preached uh, that, that other than uh, unto you than the, that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so I say now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Let him be damned. So this is a serious thing, my friend. Make sure you're trusting the Christ that's revealed in the book of God and the book of the Lord Jesus Christ. Make sure you're believing on the one who's enthroned in glory and the one that must be enthroned in the hearts of his people. 
the Christ of God according to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, all you have is an idol, just a, a false Christ, a false God. I mean, would you trust a, a false God? Would you trust an idol? So then trust the true and living God who says, Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Now let's look again at the beginning of the book of Revelation. Look what it says there in verse 1. Now this is key. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him. Notice it's a God-given revelation to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel, by his messenger unto his servant, the apostle John. God gave this revelation of the exalted, glorious mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's given us this, and he's given this unto his servants. You see that in verse 1? And all these things, he says, must shortly come to pass. Now, if God said it, if the Lord hath spoken, decreed, and declared it, no, surely it will come to pass. He said, I've spoken it, I'll do it. I purposed it, and I'll bring it to pass. Matthew records, the Lord told his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things and of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. How that he must go to, to, to Jerusalem, how that he must be betrayed, he must be crucified, must die and must be risen again. And Peter said, now hold on. We don't think you ought to go to Jerusalem and die. And the Lord said, get out of my way. For I must do these things. I must. You see, beloved, without his sacrifice for our sins, we would have no salvation. And here we see how that John was guided through this glorious revelation and vision by that heavenly messenger that was sent by the Lord. And it was signified by his angel unto his servant John. Now, the angel here is not named, but perhaps it was the very angel that came to Joseph and said to call the baby in his in, in his his betrothed womb to call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins you see beloved all the angels all the messengers of God have one blessed message how that the Lord Jesus Christ is everything in salvation and the writer of the book of Hebrews called the angels of God ministering spirit sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation do you realize the Lord said when the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is being preached that the angels of God desire to look into these things, that the angels of God are hovering about God's people when they worship the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, they're ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who are the heirs of salvation. And beloved, he's made us heirs of God and joint heirs with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I do pray that Almighty God will bless this study and lead and guide us together through the revelation of Jesus Christ as we eagerly anticipate seeing him face to face. Beloved, a day is coming when we will no longer see him revealed in the word. But one blessed day, we will behold him face to face. And though now we see through a glass darkly, but then on that blessed day, we shall see him face to face. We read in Revelation 19, verse 1, it says there, After these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven, saying, Hallelujah! 
salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. True and righteous is the testimony of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 13, we read there, And the faithful and true Son of God was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Now, whenever we see the statement, the Word of God, we often think of the written Word, do we not? And we know that all Scripture is given of God, and we know that the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And further, whenever we see the Word of God, we should also think of the incarnate Word, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, He's the Word of God. Indeed, He's the express image of the living God, the Word made flesh, the very vehicle of His communication. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is the communication of God, and as the prophet of God unto His people, He speaks the Word of truth. And He's the one who bears record of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for the testimony of Jesus Christ, aren't you? And should I ever ask any of God's people for their testimony? Now, we don't do that here. But nevertheless, I'm so thankful that if I ever asked any one of his precious jewels, what's their testimony? They would begin and end their testimony with him that loved them and washed them of all their sins with his own precious blood. You see, beloved, our testimony is the Lord Jesus Christ, for he's everything in the gospel of our salvation. It says that in the book of Colossians chapter 3, verse 11, how that Christ is all and in all. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and beloved sinner, in him we stand complete. And John was faithful to declare unto all us all that he saw, all, he was faithful to declare all that he saw and all that he heard. And the things that he saw, and we know he speaks about in that, that in verse 10. It says there, he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, as of a voice of thundering waters, the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, John was cast to this island called Patmos for the word of God, indeed for the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that island is still referred to as the island of Patmos in our day. It's just a little island off the Greek coast some 40 miles from Ephesus. And this island was a place where they put notorious criminals, the, 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 the Alcatraz of our day, if you will. Now, according to traditional history, the reason John was put there for, for the gospel, according to tradition, it's said that they tried to put John into a pot of boiling oil to kill him. And according to, to tradition, they did just that. But here's the thing. He received no harm by it. And so since they couldn't figure out how to kill him, they put him out on this island. And it was there he had the special revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And John, John said, I'm your companion in tribulation. But remember, the Lord put him out there to receive this special revelation of Christ. Now, in our day, they've turned the place into a tourist trap of sorts where you can visit various places there on this Greek island, there in the Aegean Sea. And on the island of Patmos, they have a monastery there called St. John Monastery. And they say there's a cave there that you can visit where John lived. Now, I don't know about all that, but I do know this. 
how that John was put out there by God's purpose and grace to receive this revelation that he might write it down and give it to us this morning. Indeed, to give it to his people. What a blessing. What a privilege for John to bear witness to the things that he heard and saw. Now, it seems obvious to me that if you ever try to tell something you don't know, you can't do that. I mean, that's just that's utterly impossible. That's why John says that what he saw and what he heard, he writes down. In fact, John, in his first epistle, he writes down in 1 John chapter 3, or 1 John chapter 1, excuse me, in verse 3, he says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare we unto you. John uh, 1, his first epistle, chapter 1, verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. And that's what John's doing in the book of Revelation, recording what he heard, what he saw, and he said, I'm going to declare that unto you. I'm going to declare the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, beloved, this is the essence of true preaching. It's telling not merely what you know, but ever so blessedly who you know. And the apostles, all these men were taught of God, and they preached the things that they were taught. Now, preaching in our day, and for us, is simply repeating what God has already said. That's what preaching is. It's declaring the things we know from the Word of God. Is declaring the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the same as the gospel of Christ. And it's telling what Paul calls the gospel of God. Uh, we read in Romans chapter 1. Turn there with me. Romans chapter 1. This is a very good definition of what the gospel is. There's lots of verses I could turn to. But I'd like you to turn to Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. It says there, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Notice that. The gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Verse 3, again, the gospel of God concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So we declare unto you the gospel of God, the testimony of God concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Now back to Revelation chapter 1. Look there with me in verse 3. I love how verse 3 begins, don't you? Blessed. <laughs> Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy. Beloved, you're being blessed by God right now by reading the Word of God, by hearing the Word of God. And blessed is that man who reads the Word, who hears the Word of this prophecy. And the Word of this prophecy is Christ. And beloved, we keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. My friend, the time is at hand. And it's time we read the Word of God. It's time that we hear the Word of God and that we receive it as such as it is in truth the word of God that effectually worketh in you that believeth. Beloved, our time is at hand, and indeed our years, months, weeks, and days are in his hand, and whatever time we have left is in his hand. The time is at hand, my friend, the time is at hand, and the Lord promises a blessing to those who read, hear, and study, and believe the word of God. And not only 
is a blessing promised, but so too a warning is given. Turn to Revelation chapter 22. In the last chapter of Revelation, we also read there a warning about those who will not take or who will not believe the word of God. In Revelation 22, verse 18, it says there, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. So we don't want to add to the word of God. Verse 19. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. And so we don't want to take away from the word of God. Verse 20, he that he which testifieth these things saith, surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So we don't want to add to the word of God and we don't want to take away from the word of God. All we want is to declare what's in the word of God. Remember when Paul was in prison and his last words of instruction there to young Timothy? In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes, writing there to beloved Timothy, he says, Beloved Timothy, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Preach the word, Timothy. Preach the Word. It's vitally important in our worship service to preach and to read His Word, beloved. That's why we take the Word of God and we go book by book, verse by verse, word by word. Indeed, that's why we make much of the Word of God. That's why we make much of the preaching of the Word of God. And I know this, the Lord will bless His Word to the hearts of His people, and it will be the savor of life unto life to them. He will send out His Word and he will prosper his word wherever he's pleased to send it. And we know from reading the word of God that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The very word of God that you're hearing this morning. James put it this way, Of God's own will begat he us with what? Do you remember? The word of truth. God will not use a lie to save his people. It will be the word of truth that he blesses with his spirit. So blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. And we're talking about the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. So how do you keep those things? Well, you don't let them run out as a leaking vessel. I mean, have you ever tried to pour water into a bucket that had a hole in it? If you did that, you'd find out soon, as, as soon as you poured the water in, it'd run right out. And so, my friend, don't let the word of God be poured into you and then let it leak out and leave you. Rather, hold on to it, retain it, keep it, believe it, receive it, meditate upon it, and it will bless you abundantly. The Lord Jesus Christ, God's well-pleasing Son, has instructed us, whatsoever you ask in my Father's name, I will give it to you. I can think of no better prayer to the Father in His Son's name and uh, hide your word in my heart. Have it to abide in me. (laughs) 
um, forget about buying a, a book, you know, how to memorize. <laughs> I'll save you 40 or 50 bucks. Just ask the, the father in his son's name and uh, he'll give you that. How many precious verses is he already hidden in our hearts, beloved? <laughs> Not a lot of effort when the Lord just gives it to us in mercy and grace. And that's how we grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. All these wonderful verses that testify about his blessed person, person and his finished saving work. So good to know that uh, we're complete in him, beloved. We lack nothing. A full and complete pardon of all our sins and a righteousness we have nothing to do with. His righteousness has been made ours. And then the, all those other blessed places where it says, Herein is our love made perfect, <laughs> that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. And so God grant us all here in this auditorium and, and his mercy and grace for the gospel of his son to to hold on to his word, to retain it, to keep it, to believe it, receive it, meditate upon it. Blessed is he that readeth, Revelation 1.3. Now, this is one of the seven places in the book of Revelation where we find the word blessed. And I'll just, uh, as we conclude our time together here, just before I ask the men to come forward, I'll just read a few of these uh, verses in the, in the book of Revelation where the word blessed is used. We read in chapter 14, now, we just read in chapter 1, blessed is he that readeth. In chapter 14, we read, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed, in chapter 16, blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garment in, by, and through Christ Jesus the Lord. And in chapter 19, it says, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And in chapter 20, it says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. And two places in chapter uh, 22, the first instance says, Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And our Lord said, If a man love me, he will keep my words. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the second instance of chapter 22, it says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. So who exactly does the doing of, of his commandments or, or put another way, what exactly does doing his commandments mean? Simply this beloved, it's believing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And John records the time is at hand. All things are appointed by God for us personally and will come to pass in due time. The time of our birth and the time of our death are all appointments appointed of God. And the time is at hand, and our time is in his hand. And as someone once said, Beloved, the antidote for all our disappointments lies in the fact that they are all God's appointments. You see, beloved, our time is in his hand, and the scriptures bear out how that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory both now and forever. You see, beloved, all the disappointments we've had, all, all of them, all the disappointments we've ever had are all his appointments. And they don't work against us, but rather ever so blessedly they work for us.
You see, therefore, our good and for the glory of him that loved us and washed us of our sins with his own precious blood. Amen.